Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Obviously a somber day, folks. The uh, 19th uh, year since 9-11. One of the most painful days, a scar on the history of the United States. We'll talk about that a little bit in the beginning, uh, what what happened with me, where I was. Um, also, I've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about as well. Uh, just an astonishing break in the Mueller case. They wiped out cell phones that they did. What they wiped that. This was supposed to be the probe into criminal activity, not the probe for criminal activity. And I have possibly the worst media appearance. I'm not kidding by a campaign media flack in the history of humankind. It's going to be a loaded show. Today's show brought to you by express VPN, protect your online activity today from prying eyeballs, get a VPN. Don't wait. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this uh, September 11th. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, it's Friday. And why do I say it like that? I understand. Because we're remembering today 9-11. So, yeah, it's Friday. And it also has a special. I appreciate that, Joe. Joe always has a... um, Joe brought up to me before the show, because Joe always, no matter what, even throughout the coronavirus, to keep everybody's spirits high, Joe always does in his best game show voice. Yeah, man. A very loud, boisterous, it's Friday. Everybody loves Friday. But he said, you know, I think today, well, we're going to pass on that. And I yeah. said, Joe, I, ordinarily, I'd never make an exception to the it's Friday rule, but I think your judgment, <laughs> yeah. as always, is spot on. So I appreciate that. It is a Good somber deal, day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody gets that, and I think the audience will understand and always appreciates your presence on the show. Thank you. Um, all right, let's get right to it. We'll talk about that. Um, today's show brought to you by our friends at OMAX. Ladies and gentlemen, living with chronic pain is the worst. Um, I know. I live with chronic pain, and it really stinks. It's not just discomfort. It affects your whole life, how you sleep, how you move. A lot of our listeners probably feel the same way. Has it stopped you from exercising, moving around? You can't sleep in your shoulders? Has it been ongoing for a few weeks or even a few years? A lot of you have tried many different treatments before. Well. We've got a product for you we love, we use often. We don't take on sponsors lightly here. Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of those nagging muscle and joint pains, which I was, uh, immediately and provides long-lasting recovery, you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on. I have it right here. It's like a simple roll-on. It's got that cooling, unbelievable menthol with the benefits of CBD developed by Omax Health. You just roll it on. Paula uses it on her neck. We go through bottles of this stuff. I kid you not. I use it on my shoulder and my left knee especially after a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu session. It's on prescription, triple action pain relief. It's specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. The stuff works. It just works. The best is it's 100% natural, CBD powered, works its magic within 10 minutes of application. Relief lasts up to eight hours. Paula uses it on her neck when she sleeps bed. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on. Try it today. The discount applies to any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and our promo code Bongino. That's Omax, O-M-A-X, health.com, enter code Bongino, get 20% off cryo-fees and site-wide. Anyone from athletes to grandma, you can benefit from this immediate pain relief. Simply roll it on where it hurts, ice out that pain. Comes uh, the relief comes in just in just minutes for us. Cryofreeze works within ten minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. Go to omaxhealth.com and our code Bongino to get twenty percent off Cryofreeze and site wide. The product's the real deal. Omaxhealth.com and our code Bongino get twenty percent off site wide. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. Um, so just uh, on today, obviously being nine eleven, I want to open up the show by from the bottom of my heart and soul. Notice we changed our background for today. 
it's because this is one of those days, I think, hopefully, um, and I mean that, hopefully, whether you're my political opponent or not, you're not my enemy. If you're not my enemy, you're an American citizen. And if, if, if we can agree to disagree on issues, then you fight your way at the voting booth. I'll fight my way. But in the end, we should be both trying to advance the cause of a better America tomorrow. Can we all agree on that? Especially today. It was one of the one moments of unity in my lifetime where no one really asked what your politics were. September 11th and the days afterwards, everybody understood that our country was at risk. I want to thank the heroes and patriots um, and, and, and God rest the souls of those who died. You know, I, I gave a speech in, in um, the panhandle of Florida once and a Texas senator by the name of Brian Birdwell, he was up there speaking. He was in 9-11 that day. Uh, he had uh, the Pentagon. He was in, um, uh, in the Pentagon. I'm sorry, it's such an emotional story for me. And I had to speak after him. And ladies and gentlemen, it was the worst speaking spot ever. Speaking after Brian Birdwell, who had went to the bathroom, he was in the Pentagon and the plane hit and found himself in flames, covered in jet fuel, scarred over most of his body. But his speech and what happened to him and how he proceeded to try and help and save others, despite being literally on fire, uh, was one of the most dramatic things I've ever heard in my life. Can you imagine going up and trying to speak? I was ready to just say what he said and just walk off the stage because I really had nothing to add. What do I have to say? You know, but 9-11 was an interesting time in my life as well because it's, I met my wife two weeks prior. I'm sorry, one week prior. I'm Paul, Paul is a fact checker for us on the show. As always, she always has the data correct. But um, I met her a week prior on a blind date. Paula worked down there right where the pit was in 9-11 by the World Trade Center. She worked in the building right next to it in 120 Broadway at the Securities Industry Association at the time. And I met her and I really obviously right away was smitten with her. And I knew what was going on. I was a Secret Service agent at the time working in the Long Island office right outside of New York City. And I'm calling her on her cell phone on that day as all this is going down and she's not answering. Now, I'd only met her a week. I didn't want to be creepy, but I was really worried. So I left a message in her house. You know, I was terrified. I, I knew she was down there. And it turned out she was in uh, Las Vegas visiting her mom who had lived there at the time. And uh, we wound up connecting and I was relieved. But we knew something was up because we were getting ready to serve a search warrant. So I'm in this small office in Melville, Long Island, about, I don't know, 20 minutes outside the city, 30 minutes outside the city. And we're getting ready to serve a search warrant the morning of 9-11 on a, um, a guy who was selling diamonds on eBay. Some of you heard the story before. The catch is he didn't have any diamonds. He was selling you nothing. So we were getting ready to arrest him. We did a lot. of It was the early days of the internet and eBay and Amazon wasn't even selling products back then like they are now. It was still a bookstore. And we're sitting in the office getting ready to plan the search warrant at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I remember this agent, Tom, he came big guy, came running an old hockey player. And he said, oh my gosh, I was just talking to Maurice. And we had an office at Seven World Trade Center. And he said, I heard a, a bomb went off in the World Trade Center. We all ran into the TV. We turned on the TV and the view was on. I remember nothing which I'm like, well, a bomb went off in the World Trade Center. Why, aren't they, why isn't it breaking news? Well, of course, then breaking news came on. And uh, they said that a, pl a plane had hit and struck the World Trade Center. And nobody knew if it was an accident or not. But there was an agent in that small group. There were about 10 of us in the office. That was it. It was a Long Island office of the Secret Service. So it was small. And there was a guy, an agent by the name of Paul there, who uh, conveniently had been a navigator in the Navy. You know, pilot, navigator. So he, was, he spent his whole life up in the air in planes. 
He's a navigator. I mean, you talk about the perfect guy to have there at the moment to analyze what was going on. And he looked at us all, I'll never forget. And he said, that was no accident. He's like, I was, I've been navigating in planes my entire life. It was, uh, if, for those of you who remember what New York looked like on 9-11, the sky was crystal clear. He said, that was no accident. And of course, the other plane hit just minutes later and everybody at that point knew. You know, we, we got all of our, our, whatever we could gather, our equipment, we headed on over to John F. Kennedy Airport, where the Secret Service had another office at the time. And we sat there and we just watched, you know, the list. We had a list of agents we had to contact. We spent the whole day trying to contact them. Remember, the UN was going on, the United Nations General Assembly at the time. And all these agents were in town. We couldn't find them. Finally, by the end of the night, we had contacted everyone except these two guys. And we thought they, they had perished. Well, it turns out one of them, right before midnight or so, wound up getting in touch. He was in Nigeria, this guy, Kevin. He was in Nigeria on a task force case. So he was okay, but the last Secret Service employee, um, he uh, didn't make it. He was very heroic and it was down there. Uh, they, they believe he was in the plaza trying to render aid. He was a paramedic and uh, he didn't make it. So... You know, we want to remember those folks today. And like I said, I, I met Paula right around there. And it's just always been weird because it's the most painful moment of our lifetimes. I, I'm not sure if our younger listeners who listen to this show, you know, I, I, I adore your, uh, your, your, your support. I really do. I appreciate when I see you in public and I get a little fist pound from you. I love it. But to some of you who aren't alive for that, even, you know, my daughter and my youngest daughter, I explain to them all the time. I don't know if you understand how transformative and painful that moment was. I mean, the night I drove home, it had to be two o'clock in the morning. I pulled up into my apartment in Selden, Long Island. It was about an hour out of the city. I had driven home from JFK after we knew that employee had perished and we knew thousands of others had died. The trade center, our office had collapsed. Remember the secret service Manhattan office was in seven world trade center that collapsed. And I just remember looking at our neighbor, Dennis, because it was over the fence. It was kind of like we had a weird house in Long Island. I was in the side apartment. So it was kind of like that tool time, Tim Taylor. Had the, you can never see Dennis. I can only see like the top of his head. So he backed up so I could see him. And he just looked at me with that. It's like two in the morning with that thousand yard stare. And he knew I was an agent. So he thought he had some special insight. And he's like, what, 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 just, what just happened? My father was crying. He's not a really emotional guy, but it was just... Uh, it was just hard. It was hard for everyone. I mean, the world was just different. You just knew the world was different, even more so than anything that's happened and all these tragedies have happened. That day was just different. You knew the whole world had changed after that. And it was just, uh, it was tough. I know, Joe, you probably felt the same way. And of course you have a yeah. son serving patriotically in our Marine Corps now, but wasn't, you remember, I'm sure you remember everything. You know, Were you on yes. the air when that happened? Well, no. As a matter of fact, I was in Siberia with my then wife, uh, adopting Joe and Michael. Oh and, my uh, gosh, I never yes. heard that before. Yeah, we were oh there. Oh my gosh, really? The news came over and um, the translator called and she was upset. Oh my God, Mr. Amarkost, your country's at war. And oh, I went, what? I never heard that. How did you get home? Well, we ended up staying uh, in Russia for an extra week and a half or so. We were due to go to court there in Siberia to adopt the boys the next day. So I got put off. And uh, no, oh it was a strange God. situation. 
I had a guard at the at yeah. the, the place we were staying, carrying you know at the khaki the, the olive drab uh, uniform and carrying his Kalashnikov. Yeah. He didn't speak much yeah, English, yeah. but people know you're an American yeah. by the way you walk and the way you carry yourself. Oh, yeah. He came up to me and put his arms around me and pat me on the back and in English, his best English. I am so so sorry, so sorry. No, yeah, no, yeah, man, that's yeah, was, I never heard that before. Yeah, that's a great goofy. story. I never heard yeah. that, Joe. I should have asked you. But yeah, yeah, it was just the weirdest time to be. Yeah, everybody yeah. knew the world was different. Yes. Um, everyone. And, you know, like I said, Paul and I had only met a week earlier. So yeah. it's one of those things we never we never forget when we met because it was legitimately a week before 9-11. That's impactful. Um, all right. Yeah. So again, yeah. <laughs> no, it changed everything. The, the, what scar in your, our lives, if you were alive then, yeah, then you'll just, it'll never, never fully heal. So thank you to all the heroes and the, the, uh, the cops, the firemen, the EMTs, the paramedics, and all of the people who uh, rendered assistance, perished that day, and who made it out. Um, God bless you all, and God rest the souls of those who didn't make it out. Um, all right, I've got a, a lot to talk about today. So um, given that that's such a macabre moment, let's uh, try some lighter stuff. Uh, because, you, you know, we do have a presidential campaign going on. It's been a loaded news cycle. And man, I've got to tell you, I was watching Fox News last night, as I frequently do. I'm not just a contributor, but I'm a consumer of their content as well. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching Brett Baer's show. And, you know, Brett's a straight news guy, folks. He's a news guy. That's what he does. He is, I, my humble opinion, I don't have much of a relationship with Brett. I don't say that to be a, you know, I work at Fox, but Fox never tells me what to say. They don't say, hey, make sure Brett looks good on your shirt. Nobody ever says that to me. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I've had an issue with some, you know, reporters who, you know, as you've seen in the last few days, but I'm telling you right now, what I know about Brett and I watch his shows, he's a straight news guy. If you come on as a Republican, he's going to ask you tough questions. You come on as a Democrat, he's going to ask you tough questions. Well, last night was the embodiment of that. He had Tim Murtaugh on from the Trump campaign. He had a few tough questions about the Bob Woodward interview. Fair enough. But before that, Brett Baer has on um, TJ Ducklow. Now, if there was ever like a, I mean, a guy who looked unprepared for an interview on <laughs> Brett Baer's show. I know Joe got yeah. the cheat because it's a video clip. Remember, Joe always sees a video before. He doesn't see any other stuff. This is hilarious. This guy went on Brett Bear's show. I don't know if he thought he was going to get a softball interview. I don't know what he was thinking. He's obviously never done Brett Bear's show. So TJ Ducklow from the Biden campaign, in one of the worst media appearances I've ever seen, I brought it up on Hannity last night. It was so bad. I said, if we could only get the <laughs> Trump campaign to have TJ Ducklow on the air, even though he works for the Biden campaign every day, I think we'd win in a 50-state landslide. This kid was an embarrassment. A total embarrassment. He comes on the air totally, completely unprepared to answer a question. So Brett Baer asks him a question, um, uh, basically saying, hey, listen, you know, you guys are out there knocking Trump about this coronavirus response. But when, you know, Trump passed the travel ban to keep uh, possibly infected Chinese residents from coming to the United States, bringing the uh, coronavirus with them. You know, Biden said it was xenophobic. He didn't support it. Ducklow th thinks, oh, well, you know what I'll do? I'll just attack Brett Baer. What, this is about a minute 40 clip. The most embarrassing media appearance for a media flack I've seen in a long time. We're going to call this the worst media appearance ever. EVA, ever. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> what specifically would the former vice president have done? Well, let's get a few things straight. Uh, the vice president was not against the travel ban, first of all. Second of all, let's let's remember an he important, wasn't? Uh, Brett, let's remember an important distinction. 
Donald Trump was the president of the United States. It was on Donald I'm Trump. I'm asking you to if take, Joe Biden was, was the on president Donald, of the United States. It was on States, Donald Trump to was. take action to actually protect the and American he, people. He closed the Joe, travel to China. Joe Biden wrote an op-ed in USA Today in January warning that the threat was coming. Joe Biden said in February that Donald Trump should get people on the ground in China. What did what did Donald Trump do? Donald Trump was praising China. Donald Trump was praising President Xi's response, saying that they had it under control. When clearly he knew, as we now know from Bob Woodward, they did not have it under control. He should have been protecting the American people. He should have been putting real plans in place to actually confront this incredibly dangerous Understand. Let me just clarify. You're saying that Joe Biden was for closing down travel from China when the president did it? Uh, Joe Biden has been clear, and I can send you the fact checks if they're helpful, Brett. Joe Biden has been clear that he was not against that travel ban. But he was for it? Joe Biden has been clear about this, Brett. I, again, I can, send, I can send you the fact checks if they're helpful. This has been fact checked into oblivion. Okay, I'm just asking you the question. You're saying yes, he was for the China travel ban when the president implemented it two, 48 hours after receiving that briefing. I, the important thing about the travel ban... Yes or no, yes or no, know. Brett, I know that you all like to cite the travel ban. I know the no, president. No, no, no. The president the does. That's why I'm bringing it up. On, it's, Brett, obviously, on, it's going to be in a debate. Brett, Brett, hold on. The important thing to know about the travel ban is that even after the president implemented that travel ban, tens or says that he implemented it, tens of thousands of people came in okay, and out of I'm the country. I'm going to take it that and you're not going to answer that question. You're going to send me some fact Donald, checks. What was okay. Donald Trump doing, Brett? Let's, he, was, he, was, he was ignoring the virus. Let's continue to he fact was check. Praising China. Go ahead. Let's continue to fact check. Can, can we, someone please <laughs> on the Trump campaign, can you recruit this guy? I'm not kidding. How do we get this guy on the news every <laughs> night? I said on Hannity last night, which obviously is after the Brett Bear show, I'm doing an appearance. I said, I think this guy probably cost Biden 100,000 votes last night. This interview has gone viral today because it's <laughs> epidemic of what you see on the left. The utter failure to answer a simple question. Listen, I'm going to get into this hopefully at the end. Biden's a liar. He's not a good guy. I'm tired of hearing about how he's a good guy. You know, Scranton, the Scranton kid. Remember I do the Notre Dame fighting guy? He's not the Scranton kid. He's a liar and a fraud who has spent his whole life being paid by the taxpayers using the power and money you've given him to leverage wealth for him and his family in corrupt deals overseas. That's who he is. And he's a liar. And his campaign flax are liars and frauds. This is a simple question. Did Biden support the travel ban that nobody questioned save lives that Trump implemented? Did he support it or not? He was not against it. No, he was against it. Do I have to go back to this Wall Street Journal article yesterday by Carl Rove, which is worth your time? It's in yesterday's show notes. If you don't have this up on your phone and screenshot it and print it up, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Here's the real record of where Biden was on the travel ban. Call Rome, the left's COVID memory hole. Let's go back to a screenshot from this piece about exactly what Biden said, which is TJ, whatever his name is, TJ Duplo, which he can't seem to figure out. Here's Biden's own words after the travel ban. On January 31st, the day the president issued the travel ban, Biden decried Mr. Trump's, quote, hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. Does that sound like he supported the travel ban? The Biden campaign now says he wasn't referring to the ban. Then what the hell was he referring to? But it sounds like he was campaigning the next day after the travel ban. Biden seemed to attack the ban again, saying disease has no borders. Folks, this guy's a fraud. Instead of Ducklow just coming out and saying, listen, and by the way, I'm not suggesting other politicians don't lie in BSU either, but that appearance was so bad. 
And normal people see right through that spin. Ducklow should have just come out and said, hey, listen, there was a lot of confusion early on. The travel ban, if Biden was president, he probably would have done it too. He wouldn't have. But I'm I'm just trying to give this guy a hint here. And you know what? There was confusion early on. Looking back on it, we probably would have done the same thing if we had access to that information. We didn't. Bad call. They can't do that. Why? Because they're liars and frauds. And this guy, Duplo, actually believes that this appearance makes Biden look good. Yeah. So was he? I mean, simple question, Joe. No. Was he for the travel ban or not? He wasn't against it. I mean, this is easy, right? I mean, you know, if yeah. Armand cost up in Maryland as a bank rob next to his house, Joe, were you for the bank robber or not? I wasn't against it. No. Were you no, for the guy or not? This is not a hard question. No, no, that's really bad. Don't rob banks. This is not a hard question. <laughs> Shockingly, the Duplo appearance gets worse. Oh, I want to get this second video here from me because believe, believe it or not, this Duplo guy blows it even more. Like I said, the Trump campaign, please recruit this guy to do more appearances on media outlets. What a disaster. If he's not fired tomorrow from the Biden campaign, I'll be stunned. What an embarrassment. And and, and listen, I get it, Duplo. You know, Duplo's going to be like, oh, you know, I have liberal privilege. Dan Bongino is what he's talking about. If Dan Bongino had to do media like I did. He, well, really? I've been doing media for eight years. I've had some good ones, some bad ones. Never ever had an appearance where I just absolutely could not tell the truth no matter what. Sometimes you just got to eat it. You come out, you screw up, you're like, ah, bad, bad call. Sorry. Oh, not Duplo. All right, let me get to my um, my second sponsor. I want to play just another video from this where the guy absolutely melts down. This is just terrific to watch. Today's show also brought to you by friends at Job Creators Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the most important election of our lifetime. You know it. I know it. Everything important is on the ballot. Everything. America itself is on the ballot. Supporting the police is on the ballot. Free speech is on the ballot. Voting rights are on the ballot. Economic freedom and liberty is on the ballot. School choice is on the ballot. Patient-controlled health care is on the ballot. Getting government red tape out of your life is on the ballot. Safety is on the ballot. Our way of life is on the ballot. Our culture is on the ballot. That's why I'm urging you now to join an effort, urging you, an effort sponsored by Job Creators Network. They're working with the biggest conservative hosts in America. Hannity, Elder, Prager, Gorker, Gallagher, Hewitt, Bongino, I know that guy, Shapiro, Sarah Carter, and others. This election's about one thing, turnout. The leftists get their get-out-the-vote machine. We need ours. And that's why I'm reading this spot, because it matters. The single most important thing you do to get uh, to get out or, uh, to save our country is to vote. And how do you do it? Well, here's a tool for you at KeepAmericaAmerica.com and become a volunteer in the biggest, largest, most important get-out-the-vote effort in conservative history. When you go to KeepAmericaAmerica.com, you'll be given tasks that you can make a difference, use to make a difference in November. I get emails all the time. What can I do to make a difference? Go to keepamericaamerica.com. That's how you start. You want to do a little? They'll give you a little to do. You want to do a lot? They'll give you a lot to do. It all matters. But please, do your part. We need you. As Ginny Thomas once told me, you are the leaders we've been waiting for. We're the leaders we've been waiting for. Don't wait for someone else. Go to keepamericaamerica.com now. That's keepamericaamerica.com now. Please do your part. Do a little, do a lot, but do it today. Keepamericaamerica.com. All right, so here's the second part, again, on a lighter note, of how awful this Biden team is. And, you know, I'm not just doing this to poke fun at TJ Ducklow. He was a total mess. But I'm doing it to show you the futility of the Biden campaign. They don't have a platform to run on. For all of, you know, the, the critiques of Trump's persona rather than his policies, his policies have been a relatively effective conservative presidential agenda 
and have been a pretty stable, you know, pretty stable and in alignment with our conservative values. Biden doesn't have anything. He's flip-flopped on everything. I'll get to that at the end. So Ducklow doesn't have anything. They have to lie about everything. Biden was not against the travel ban. He called it xenophobic. Did you miss that? Here's part two, where questions have started to emerge. We played you the video yesterday, if you watched yesterday's show, of Joe Biden in a Q&A. I'm going to use the dreaded air quotes for the Q&A because it wasn't really a Q&A with union members. What it was, was pre-prepared questions fed to people over like a Zoom type conference where Biden's got pre-prepared answered on, on a teleprompter. So it's not a real Q&A, nothing extemporaneous about it at all. You could tell because Biden at one point is like, yeah, can you raise the prompter so we can read the actual answer? So the questions come out if Biden has the acuity and cognitive abilities, if he's all there upstairs, that he can answer basic questions anymore. So Brett Baer, this is an issue that's been brought up multiple times, fairly enough, asked this TJ Ducklow the question, is Biden using a teleprompter in these Q&As? Watch this loser meltdown. Check this out. Has Joe Biden ever used a teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A with supporters? Brett, we are not going to engage. This is this is straight from the Trump campaign. But yeah, they're points. using and, it. And what it does and what it does, Brett, is it's trying to distract the American people. I'm just from, they're from, using from it. They the talk about it every day. Can you what, say yes or no? That's because they talk about it every day, Brett, because they don't have a coherent. Uh, well, you strategy. have an answer. Yes or no, Brett. They talk about it every day because they don't have a coherent argument for why Donald Trump deserves reelection, deserves four more years. We know that he lied to the American people. We know that he has not uh, shown leadership during this crisis, and they are desperate to throw anything they can against the wall to try to distract from that fact. I understand, but you can't answer the question. Brett, I am not going to allow okay. the Trump campaign to funnel their questions through Fox News and get me to respond <laughs> to that. I mean, what an insult at the end. Like I told you, I don't have a personal relationship with Brett. I've I ran into him, I think, in Vietnam a couple of times. He's always been very nice to me. Brett's a news guy. And the and I'm not again, I'm not saying I have no personal allegiance to anyone. I have allegiance to the truth. I honest, honest, I can't tell you what Brett Bear's politics are, which is probably the ultimate compliment for a genuine newsman. I don't know his politics. I'm not kidding. I have no idea if he's a radical liberal or a dyed-in-the-wool Rush Limbaugh conservative. I have no idea. He doesn't share it, and he does the news. And if you can't go on Brett Baer's program and answer simple questions, did Biden support the travel ban or not? Did what? Is Biden using teleprompters? If you can't answer simple questions, then just stay off the news. Just stay off the news. Stick to CNN and MSNBC, where they don't have any legitimate news people. Any. What a disgraceful interview. Ducklow, please, Trump campaign. I don't know what you got to do to get this guy. Get him on the air every single day. All right, moving on. I've got a, a ton of news. Always on Friday, we got a lot to stack in. So, you know, there's been a really astonishing development, hat tip to Judicial Watch, in the fake Mueller witch hunt. Remember against Trump? Again, these stories are starting to come out now, day by day and minute by minute. Uh, leading us all to believe that not just was the Mueller probe into the fake Russian collusion and the witch hunt into, John, into Donald Trump unethical and immoral, uh, but now downright corrupt and potentially illegal. There's potential destruction of evidence here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious stuff. Well, what happened? Let's get right to it. So uh, Judicial Watch put in a Freedom of Information Act request for some of the records, phone records, for the Mueller team. They got to have phone records. They were issued Department of Justice official work phones. 
What were they texting each other? It's our information. They were working on behalf of the U.S. government, right? Mueller worked the special counsel on behalf of the United States government. They worked for us. We paid them. You paid them. Your money, not theirs. It wasn't a private enterprise. It was our phones on our time. So fair enough. They say, hey, we'd like to get a look at what the Mueller team members, as they were allegedly investigating fake Russian collusion, what were they saying to each other? What were they doing? Well, uh, here's a shocker. Here's what Judicial Watch got back. By the way, this is just one snippet of 50 plus pages of documents. This is, I think, page 49 or around there if you want to look. Page is like about 52 pages of it if you want to see it. But I'll, I'll put this up on the YouTube. You can check it out. I want to read to you from it. Here's one page. Here's a page 49 of it. You'll see some uh, some information on there. They're looking for this is a record of them looking for the text notes or reminders on the phones of the Mueller team people that are allegedly investigating Trump for Russian collusion. I say allegedly because we know Russian collusion didn't happen and Mueller knew that early. Wow, this is weird. So they're looking in 2018, they find no substantive text notes or reminders, no text notes or reminders, no text or notes or reminders. They go to another phone, they find that, oh, the employee, talking about the Mueller team member, tried to incorrectly enter data password too many times and the phone was wiped of all data and it was reset? Wow, isn't that weird? Couldn't figure out their password 10 straight times. Wow, that's interesting. There's one phone. Oh, now we have another phone where they, during an out-processing conversation, they deleted data from the phone. This is another one. Interesting. Then they have another phone right there where there are no notes, photos, reminders, or other apps. Another one, no reminders, no apps. Another one, no recordings, reminders, or apps. Then they have another one that they were out-processing. In other words, the Mueller team was wrapping up, giving their phones back. And it's weird. She had to wipe her phone because she forgot the password too. Had to be wiped out and reset because the phone passcode provided was inaccurate. And, and the phone was left in airplane mode too. Wow. Wow. Isn't that weird? Come back. This goes on and on, by the way, for pages and pages. I believe it's up to 31 phones the Mueller team was using that were all mysteriously wiped out. Accidentally, of course, dreaded air quotes time. Yeah. Joe, just a mistake. Yeah, we're accidentally wiped out. Total mistake, of course. And then, unbelievably, multiple members of the Mueller team who are probably texting each other all kinds of horrible stuff. Hey, you know, this Russian collusion stuff is BS, right? Yeah, I know. What a bunch of idiots if the public's falling for this. But let's keep investigating Trump anyway. <laughs> they couldn't find the data because multiple members of the team just forgot their passwords and magically entered them the 11th time. Instead of just trying to figure out the password, right? Which they forgot. Magically entered it the 11th time. And what do you know? Factory reset kicked in. And what do you know even worse? They had put the phones in airplane mode before they tried to enter the password. Why? So they couldn't be remotely accessed to reset. Because then it can't connect to Wi-Fi or the uh, LTE cellular network because it's in airplane mode. Oh, just pull it airplane mode, out of airplane. You can't. The phone's locked. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I've said it often. You know, I read the blogs. I have, because our show is called The Dan Bongino Show, and we do a lot of targeted marketing. I have my my name on Google Alerts. I'm because I'm obsessed about people talking about my name. It's for marketing purposes, where we should, what we should target. And sometimes message boards will pop up. And I get this a lot. So those of you who watch my show, I appreciate it. I'm reading your stuff, and I always am interested in your feedback. They say, you know, 
Dan's when he's going to keep saying something's going to happen. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I don't know where you got that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm exposing the truth because the truth matters. I'm not going to let these people get a pass and I never will ever. But I don't know what show you're watching. If you think I keep telling you that, oh, the justices, don't worry, we'll get them all, folks. I'm pretty sure, Joe, I've said the exact opposite. I have no faith in any of this going forward. That's the real content of my show. I expose the truth because I believe in the truth and I believe the truth matters. And whether there's punishment now or in some afterlife, I don't know. But I'm going to continue to tell the story. But there's absolutely no question there are two systems of justice. What do I mean? Why did I just go off on that? What appeared to be a tangent. It's not. Isn't it weird that George Papadopoulos, by the way, hat tip undercover Huber on Twitter for bringing this up. It's a great point. Isn't it weird that George Papadopoulos was prosecuted and sent to jail for allegedly lying to the FBI? And one of the things they put in the charging document was, oh my gosh, he changed out his cell phone. In other words, insinuating they were trying to, Papadopoulos was trying to avoid being tracked. It's weird how that's a crime for Papadopoulos, but when you wipe out a phone and put it in airplane mode because it can't be accessed so nobody can find out what you're doing in the corrupt Mueller probe afterwards, that nobody seems to care about that. No one in the Mueller probe will face any jail time at all. By the way, when were those phones wiped out? You ever read my second book, Exonerated? If you haven't, it's a good one. There's a whole chapter on what we call the Civil War. How in July of 2017, just months after Mueller's appointed, someone walks into the Mueller team and says, hey, I've got bad news for you, Bob. Hey, Bob, hey, we got a problem. Peter Strokes texts with his girlfriend, Lisa Page from the FBI, don't look good, talking about the smelly Walmart folks, the deplorables. Trump's going to become president. We're not going to let that happen. Talking about insurance policy. When does that happen? Mueller gets those texts in July of 2017 from the, from the IG's office. Were his phones wiped? Some of them starting in July of 2017. Did they realize the same inspector general that showed Mueller the texts from Stroke and Page was going to ask Mueller and his team for the text too? And they were like, oh no. Uh-oh, were sirens going off in their heads? Guys, delete your phones, put them in airplane mode, wipe them out. I'd like to know when they were wiped. That'd be really interesting if it happened right around July of 2017, right when Mueller figured out that the IG was watching people's texts. That'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? That'd be really, really interesting. July of 2017, you know, the we call it the Civil War because that's when they find out up on the hill everything that's going on behind the scenes with this and Nunes and others start really doubling down. That's also the time July of 2017 when Mueller mm -hmm. finds out he's got a problem because the FBI investigators are texting each other about how awful they are. That's when he goes out and doubles down. And instead of admitting he has no case, what does he do? They go and lock up Papadopoulos. They serve a search warrant on Manafort. Why? Because Mueller's team was corrupt and they wanted to shut everybody down. Is that what they were talking about over text in July of 2017? Hey, bad news, fellas. We got texts from the FBI, Page and Stroke texting each other, but there's no there there. There's just smelly deplorables. This is going to be really bad. What do we do, guys? I got an idea. Let's go arrest Papadopoulos and serve a search warrant on Manafort to change the narrative. Is that in their text? I don't know. We don't have them. They were all deleted. Weird. <sighs> Incredible.
All right, I want to get to my next story before I get to that. We got our third sponsor, but um, Adam Schiff said it again. By the way, if Adam Schiff something, says something, you can roundly ignore it and be assured whatever Adam Schiff is saying, the opposite is in fact true. I think we've that's shown to be, if, if there was one thing that's a tautology, whatever Adam Schiff says, the opposite is almost always true. So he's emerged again like Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, <laughs> head out of water. Schiff has emerged again with a new fake whistleblower story where again, Schiff actually debunks himself. Um We'll get to that in a minute. Today's show also brought to you by Parler. As you know, I'm one of the um, stakeholders and shareholders in Parler. I love Parler. I pursued Parler early as an option. They were an, uh, an advertiser on my show. Why? Because I'm tired of tech tyrants. I'm tired of them. Um, Devin Nunes on our interview show we recorded last night, which will air on Saturday, addresses this topic too. He calls them the tech oligarchs. I'm tired of them, folks. Now, here are your options. I'm not telling you to dump your Twitter or Facebook account. You do whatever you want. I'm simply telling you that should not be your home base for social media anymore. Why? Why are you leaving your social media livelihood and ability to speak freely up to companies that absolutely hate you and don't want you there? Why? I don't understand. We started another option for you that is blowing up. It's the hottest social media property on the internet right now, hands down. The downloads of the app have been spectacular. It's called Parler. I talk about it a lot in the show. It's P-A-R-L-E-R. P-A-R-L-E-R. It's the news, free speech, social media app that will not silence your opinions and we will not violate your privacy. That's a twofer. It's very simple. Just download the app, go to the app store, create your account, post, share, and speak freely. You want to talk about that? I just read a story the other day. Twitter is going to censor uh, users after the election if they declare victory too early. What, you're not allowed to make predictions now? Go to Parler, speak however the heck you want after the election. We have a ton of users. You will see when you get on, your feedback will be higher in many cases as it is on other social media apps because it's full of people who enjoy speaking freely too. Go to parlor.com or visit the app store today, please. Humbly and with the greatest respect, I put my money where my mouth is. I'm heavily involved in Parler because I believe there is no future on Twitter and Facebook. They want you gone tomorrow. It's P-A-R-L-E-R, Parler.com, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Parler.com, Parler.com. Follow me while you're there. I'm at DeBongino. We'd really appreciate it. All right, moving on. So um, Adam Schiff's back. I saw this story at The Blaze, which is fascinating. <laughs> you, can, this, you know, just when you think Adam Schiff can't get any worse, like he won't step on his own, you know what I mean? He, oh, he can't get out of his own way, this utter, complete buffoon. Here's a story at The Blaze where Adam Schiff's announced they have a new whistleblower. They're always fake whistle, but they're not really blowing the whistle. on it. They just think that word sounds great. So Adam Schiff welcomes whistleblower complaint against Trump. Another one. With open arms, despite last month accusing the same whistleblower of lying to Congress. <laughs> this is hilarious. Schiff, Man. we got a new whistleblower. This guy's great. He's finally going to take down Trump. Uh, well, I'll get to a screenshot from the piece of me. Let me give you a little background on it. So the new allegation, and believe me, I use the term allegation loosely because it's coming from Adam Schiff, which means it's always a lie, is that they have a whistleblower within DHS. And the whistleblower is saying that allegedly the Trump administration suppressing DHS intel that the Russians are trying to interfere in the election and that white supremacists are like taking over America. Now, remember what we've been discussing all week about the coming coup, the disinformation campaigns being run in the United States right here? domestically using using disinformation techniques we would use to foment insurgencies overseas, how military and intelligence people are involved with it to destabilize the Trump administration here. That's really happening, folks. 
It's not a conspiracy theory. Again, just look up the group Defeat Disinfo, which should be called Promote Disinfo, and the Transition Integrity Project, where they're actually fomenting street violence here post-election. Look it up. We've already discussed it. Watch the, watch the show Monday, which did bonkers numbers. This past Monday show called The Coming Coup, we do a whole 40-minute block on it. The central operating thesis of how these disinformation groups are working at home to destabilize the Trump administration in the event of his reelection is by promoting disinformation and narratives. In other words, fake stories, fake news. Intel ops we'd run overseas were running here. Well, what's one of the worst and most disingenuous fake narratives used against Trump? Or actually, let me give you the top two that have been used to destabilize him and ruin his credibility. Number one, that he's not a real president, that the Russians put him in office, right? You heard that one? Remember that? And what's the second one? That he is a devout racist and white supremacist. So therefore, the minority population of America should consider this guy a clear and present danger. Isn't it weird how this whistleblower magically appears in before the election saying, hey, we got a bunch of information in DHS about the Russians coming again for Trump and that how white supremacists are taking over the country. Isn't that weird how that happens right before the election and this whistleblower appears? But the whistleblower has a small problem. Let's go to what he's saying first. Let's take this screenshot from The Blaze. You can read this piece in the show notes again. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Subscribe to the show notes. I suggest you do. Quote, The Blaze. Among the information allegedly censored, talking about this DHS information, were details regarding the rising threat of white supremacism and Russia's attempt to interfere in the 2020 election, according to DHS official Brian Murphy. Wow, you should remember that name. Who filed the formal whistleblower complaint with the Department Inspector General this week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why these things are legitimate threats any kind of racist activity, white on black, black on white, Hispanic on Hispanic, whatever it may be, any kind of racism or, or xenophobia should be roundly denounced by everyone and will continue to be renounced by me consistently on this show all the time. We're all children of God, though. Never forget that. But do you really believe that these reports right now, given everything going on with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, riots, burning, looting in the city, that there's not a tinge of maybe a political narrative building effort here. The Russians are coming again. Trump, white supremacists, all that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's obvious that something's going on here meant to promote a disinformation op again to destabilize Trump. So, of course, Adam Schiff says, well, we can use this guy, Brian Murphy. He could be really useful. A former DHS guy saying, gosh, my information about this is being suppressed. There's no evidence that's true, of course. But they have a little problem with Brian Murphy. Here's what the New York Times wrote about Brian Murphy a little while ago in early August. This is the same guy. Homeland Security reassigns an official whose office compiled intelligence on journalists. August 1st, Adam Goldman, Spygate conspirator. Um, here we go. This is about New York Times about Brian Murphy, the same whistleblower who I promise you, Joe, will now be beatified and, uh, and, and knighted and be declared a saint by the left. So here's what the New York Times said about hmm. Murphy August 1st. In light of recent public reports, we are concerned that Murphy may have provided incomplete, potentially misleading information to the committee staff during our recent oversight engagement. Well, who, who's, who said that? Oh, Adam Schiff. Oh. Adam, Adam, Adam Schiff said that. Adam Schiff. That's really weird. So the guy was a liar a month ago in August, but now all of a sudden he'll be sainted. Saint Murphy. Saint Brian. They'll have a, a school named after him somewhere in a, in a district around America. There'll be a bridge named after him, an overpass somewhere. 
Brian, the Brian Murphy overpass. The Brian Murphy, tre- he's called the, tre- the what? The trestle down in Glendale where he's The trestle, the Brian Murphy trestle. He'll be said, there'll be golden calves everywhere inscribed with the name Brian Murphy, despite the fact that Adam Schiff just called him a liar a month ago. Is he a liar or, or is he not a liar? Again, it doesn't matter, folks. It matters to us. What matters is, is he useful to the narrative building effort that Trump is a white supremacist and Russia is going to put him in the White House? That's all that matters. If Murphy's telling the truth or not telling the truth, we'll see. He's entitled to file a whistleblower complaint. We'll see that. He'll have his day. But I would be strongly suspect of any of these whistleblowers emerging that Adam Schiff is promoting because they're just useful tools for Adam Schiff. All right, let me get to my final sponsor. And it, did I skip over? No, no, I didn't. Okay, I got Peter. Stro- I got a line from Peter Stroke's book that's going to blow your mind. Just adding on to what I told you yesterday about how Brennan's a puppet master. He's basically just admitting it right now. Uh, my final sponsor today, LifeLock. LifeLock, ladies and gentlemen. How much is your personal information worth to cyber criminals? A lot. Researchers have compiled an overview of the average price of stolen personal data for sale on the dark web. And while online banking logins eh, cost an average of $35, the range of documents and account details needed to commit identity theft costs $1,285. The bulk of stolen information, where does it come from? Large-scale data breaches. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. It affected me. I had my identity stolen. It was awful. You can miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. We have LifeLock for me, my wife, and the whole family. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity thefts, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, they'll send you an alert. Listen, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. Don't wait another day. Get your free dark web scan at LifeLock.com scan. Pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year using promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N on my last name. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan and get 25% off with promo code Bongino. Don't wait. Secure your identity, that of your family. Lifelock.com slash scan. Use promo code Bongino. Okay. So um, Peter Stroke, the um, lead FBI investigator in the Spygate case and was also assigned to the Mueller probe. Wonder what happened to his phone? Was that wiped too? That'd be crazy. So he has a book out. These guys just can't stay. You would think this guy would be totally humiliated. He's been just, his facts have been eviscerated in public. He's embarrassed himself completely over and over again. In his book, he can't even get right the, the, the date and the reason that they started the case. It's just an embarrassment that the reason they started the spying operation against Trump But here's an excerpt from his book, Hat Tip Undercover Huber, by the way, for pointing this out. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Comey Comey and Brennan. Brennan's the puppet master. Comey knows it. And this is why these two, one of them is going to have to flip on each other. This is from Stroke's own book. He says, quote, shortly after we opened Crossfire, talking about the Crossfire hurricane case against Trump, CIA Director Brennan approached Comey about disturbing intelligence that was beginning to come in about Russia's burgeoning interference in the elections. Folks, there was no burgeoning interference allegations in the elections. This was made up. This is all, all coming from the dossier. All of it. Again, more evidence. Strokes now saying, oh, right after, remember, Brennan doesn't, says he doesn't get the dossier until December. If they opened up the case on July 31st, which is before December for the liberals watching, how does Brennan know any of this? Because he's marshalling the entire operation. 
I interviewed Devin Nunes yesterday. It'll air on Saturday. Please watch it. It's really, really good. He brings up this unbelievable angle I'd never considered before about how Hillary's emails tied to this whole thing and the DNC hack or the alleged hack. Brennan was the puppet master, folks, behind this whole thing. He's the one pushing F- the FBI early on to investigate this. But to investigate what? I asked Nunes this in the interview multiple times. He gives a great answer. Where are they getting this from? Russia's interfering to help Trump. The dossier, that's it. There is no official intelligence about any of this, ladies and gentlemen. It's all a fake from day one. And now Stroke, because he can't keep his pen off his paper and can't shut his mouth, is basically admitting it in his own book. (sighs) Frustrating. All right, moving on. A lot to get to today. So um, I've been telling you about disinformation operations. The coming coup, our show on Monday again did bonkers numbers where I describe and lay out for you exactly how they're fomenting a color revolution, liberal Democrats and their media allies right here at home. And the tactics they use to foment insurgencies and revolutions overseas are being used right here, right now in the United States by former military folks who should be pledging allegiance to our country instead are fomenting disinformation operations here. How do they do it? They destabilize the presidency with fake narratives and they engage in narrative building to make you believe that these false stories are in fact true. You want to see how they do it through their media allies? Here is a perfect example. Hat tip Eddie Zipperer on social media where I saw this. This is just an A-plus example of how to build a fake narrative to, again, make it seem like, what are the two damaging narratives against Trump they're going to use? He's a Russian asset and a traitor, and he's a white supremacist, because those they think are the two most damaging. You're going to see all kinds of fake stories right up into the election about these two things. Mark it. The verdict is in. Mark it today. You don't believe me? There you go. Here's a question, right, that Bob Woodard asked Donald Trump in their phone interview. Bob Woodard is this hack anti-Trumper who's writing a book about Trump. Why Trump interviewed with him, I don't know. But Woodward has tapes. So NBC News has this article. Trump said he feels no responsibility to understand the anger of black Americans, Woodward book says. Trump said that? Is that a quote? I feel, Donald Trump, I feel no responsibility to understand the anger of black Americans. That's a bold title, no, Joe? Sounds kind of racist, right? Gosh, that yeah, Trump man. is really awful. Is that, yeah. is, that, is, that what he, is that what he said? You would, well, of course, that's not exactly what he said. We have the Woodard question here. Oh, uh, yeah, here's actually the Woodard question and the answer. Now, uh, Joe, I want, as I'm reading this, I want you to read for the quote from Donald Trump where he says, I don't care about black Americans. Can you, all right? So just nope. be prepared. Nope. Get okay, ready. I'm with you. All and right, stop babe. me when I say that. So here's Woodard, Woodward's question to Trump. This is the actual question. Do you have any sense that the privilege has isolated and put you in a cave to a certain extent? As it put me and I think lots of white privileged people in a cave and we have to work our way out to understand the anger and the pain, particularly black people feel in this country. Woodward asked Trump. No, Trump responded. You really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? Just listen to you. Wow. No, I don't feel that at all. You got more, don't uh, you? Yeah, Paula, put up the second part of the quote. Because I, I haven't seen it yet. No. Joe, oh, do you have yeah. it on video, right? Joe, play the video. Okay. Oh, uh, there it, oh thank you. Oh, then we've gone black screen. That is not your YouTube account failing. That's Paula putting up the quote because it doesn't exist. That is the oh. quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, play the video. Dude. The video where Trump says he doesn't care about black people. All right, go ahead, Joe. <sighs> what, what, are you, what are you doing? 
You're messing with it. Come on, play the video. We don't have time Dude, for this. Stop screwing around. I don't have it. Okay, you don't have it. You don't have it. Right. Of course, I'm totally sorry, unprepared, Armour, because he's not unprepared. Not there is no damn video. Oh. That's not what Trump said. <laughs> Trump did not say he doesn't care about black Americans. He's making fun of Woodward for bringing up this dopey idea of white privilege. He doesn't say anything about, I don't care about black Americans. So what's going on here? Again, a disinformation operation by former military people. They're at, this is not a conspiracy theory. They're talking to the New York Post and others. Stanley McChrystal and others. Read the articles. Read, watch my Monday show. They're not hiding this. It's a conspiracy theory. Really? An open conspiracy theory? They're using fake stories about Trump being a Russian asset and a white supremacist, and they're just inventing headlines. Trump said he doesn't care about the plight of black people. That quote was not in there. Paula can't find it. Joe can't find it because it doesn't exist. But that's what the headline says. Trump on black people. I don't care. The reality is Trump's laughing at Woodward for being a tool like he is and bringing up dopey things in a conversation like white privilege. All right. You know what? And Paula, can we just skip ahead to the the revolver piece? I'm gonna I want to do the Sturgis story, but it's, it, let me just give you the Sturgis story in a nutshell. It's in the show notes yesterday. The leftists are trying to oh Sturgis, the motorcycle rally, thousands of cases of coronavirus. It's not thousands of cases; it was 270. It's a fake story, yeah. fake story. But I want to move on again. It's a fake story. You can read it in the show notes. It's dumb. It's just made up. But while we're on this topic of fake narratives, disinformation operations here at home. And the coming coup they're planning, for real, the leftists, if Trump wins. There's an interesting Revolver article. This is worth your time. It's in yesterday's show notes. Revolver exclusive. Meet Norm Eisen, the legal hatchet man and central operative in the color revolution against President Trump, September 9, 2020. This Revolver piece is really good. In there, they address how Norm Eisen, who ironically, Joe, this is hilarious, was President Obama's ethic czar. That's kind of <laughs> hilarious, isn't it? His <laughs> ethic czar. How this guy Eisen has written books and is like the hatchet man behind the scenes organizing a massive disinformation intelligence tactics up to destabilize Trump in the event he wins. How he's one of the guys behind the scenes doing this. And they talk about, again, the tactics they're using. From this revolver piece, how Eisen in his book and how he cites others who've used this stuff in the past. This is fascinating stuff. How they use this color revolution model overseas and they're using it here. Quote, a color revolution in this context. Now, listen to what it is. It's going to sound familiar, right? Refers to a specific type of coordinated attack that the United States government has been known to deploy against foreign regimes, particularly in Eastern Europe, deemed to be authoritarian and hostile to our interests. Rather than using a direct military intervention to affect regime changes in Iraq, color revolutions attack a foreign regime by contesting its electoral legitimacy. Check, they're doing that now, here. Organizing mass protests and acts of civil disobedience. Check, they're doing that here. And leveraging media contacts to ensure favorable coverage to their agenda in the Western press. Check, they just did it in that NBC News article. Trump doesn't care about black people. That's not what he said at all. Interesting. They talk about in this piece how there's these playbooks out there. And when you read these playbooks, Norm Eisen, the work of Eisen and others, that they go through in this revolver piece, you're going to be like, holy 
Moses. They're engaging in an insurgency effort right here in the United States, right in front of our very eyes. The evidence is right in front of us. Remember the two rules of the conspiracy to take the government down. One, don't talk about the conspiracy. And two, blame the conspiracy on your opponent, which is exactly what they're doing. Everything they're doing, they're accusing Trump of doing. Trump's questioning the integrity of the mail-in ballots. No, he's not. The New York Times was questioning the integrity of the mail-in ballots in a 2012 article, and so was bipartisan commissions forever. Trump's targeting racial minority. No, you're doing that. You're the ones burning down minority neighborhoods. Trump's the one engaging in policies to employ black and Hispanic Americans. You're, this is the total opposite. This is total disinformation, folks. Why are they doing this? Well, they're doing it for obvious reasons. It's about power, but they're doing it to cover up for a flawed candidate. I said last night, and I'll say it again about Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not a good guy. I opened up the show with this, and I'm going to end the show with this today. This is not a good guy. This is a corrupt career politician who has taken your tax dollars for 47 years to be in the highest positions of power in the United States government, a hair away from the presidency, both as the vice president and now as the Democrat nominee for president, who has lied and manipulated his way into enriching his family and one of his kids and other family members as well using his own power as a carrot stick for foreigners to give his son a job. This is not a good guy. He is a liar and a fraud. And although I don't wish any ill will on anyone, and I never will, he is a man totally, utterly unprepared for the presidency. His cognitive abilities are obviously not there. And when his cognitive abilities were there, he was a corruptocrat. He is a liar. The media is covering for him. You need to have an alternative in the event of a color revolution. You need to have someone ready to move in the White House right away. Biden, unfortunately, is their guy, and they will defend him no matter what. He has lied about the travel ban, opened up the show with that one. He's lied about redirecting police funding. He has said he absolutely wants to redirect police funding. That's a quote. Absolutely, when asked about redirecting police funding. He's going to hike your taxes. If you're middle class, you got a tax cut from Trump. Your rate was 25%. Trump tax cuts cut your rate to 22%. That rate is going to go back up three percentage points because Biden has sworn on the record multiple times he's going to repeal that tax cut. Very simple math, folks. It's not hard. He said he wants a mask mandate until he changed his mind on a mask mandate. He said multiple times he's going to stop fracking and fossil fuels. Now he's saying Trump's accusing me of wanting to stop fracking. No, he's not. You're accusing yourself. We have the tape. You're a liar. He has said he's for the Hyde Amendment. Preventing your federal tax dollars from taking the lives of children in the womb. Now he said, oh, I was against the Hyde Amendment. No, he said he's a liar. The man, ladies and gentlemen, is an epic, colossal fraud. All right, one final, I know I said it'd be my last, one final story. I just want to give a quick uh, plug to a great book I'm reading right now. But uh, folks, another article in the show I'd like you to read just to show you, you are winning here. We have an election coming up. Obviously, Biden's a flawed candidate, but we have a culture war that's not coming up that's going on right now. And folks, I want you to know you're on the right side of it and you are winning. Look at this article by Red State about pro sports. They got woke. They decided that crapping on our national anthem and our country was a good idea, kneeling in disrespect, wearing socks, depicting police officers as pigs, that these are our new idols. Oh, no, not ours. Red State, beyond the ratings, a new poll shows professional sports are in real trouble with Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, pro sports are taking a PR beating. 
their favorable, unfavorables are through the roof bad right now. You are winning. Believe me, this is no long-term strategy for pro sports success. Check this out from the piece. The negative impressions by Americans now see sports are underwater by double digits with a 30% to 40% favorable, unfavorable ratio. Ladies and gentlemen, you are winning because you're principled. I know you love sports. I did too. It's hard to not watch. It was hard not to watch last night. I can't mm-hmm. tell you what happened in the NFL Chiefs game last night because I don't give a damn what happened in the NFL Chiefs game last night because I didn't watch one second of it. Don't care. Don't care one bit. And you shouldn't either. You know why? Because they don't care about you. They don't care about your opinion. They don't care about why you would find kneeling while our national anthem is, anthem is played. They don't find why staying in the locker room while our great national anthem is played would be offensive. They haven't even bothered to ask you, and they don't care. So let me ask you this. If they don't care about you, I said this to my brother because he still loves his baseball. They don't care about you. Why do you care about them? Watch some other sports. Watch watch UFC where they don't don't give a damn about any of this wokeism crap. They let their athletes say what they want to say. Watch something else where they actually care. All right, a quick note, folks. I'm reading a great book. Just wanted to give a quick pitch for it because it's very good, especially chapter four. I'm reading Sarah Huckabee Sanders' new book, Speaking for Myself. Uh, Really good book. Um, I don't do a lot of books on the show um, within the content of The Daily Show. Sometimes we do interviews. Devin Nunes, I'll have on about my book later. But um, this is a great book. Highly recommended. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she did a great job at the White House. There's a cover right there, Speaking for Myself. I highly recommend Chapter 4. She gives kind of some interesting inside baseball about when she became the press secretary. Uh, It's interesting, not just for me, because I had worked inside the White House. She talks about some of how the White House actually works. She says the funny things about the White House mess and how she never got to eat in the mess as like a dining room, how she just picked it up at the window, which is what we did, obviously. But also uh, what the inauguration was like and what it was like being inside the White House during these tumultuous times. Really great book. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, speaking for myself, highly recommended. Go check it out. Hey, thanks for all your listenership this week. It's going to be our best week ever. We really appreciate it. We are definitely uh, blowing up, and it is all thanks to you and your support. I am ferociously loyal. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the show, youtube.com slash Bongino, on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcast. Subscriptions are free, and they help us move up the charts. We really appreciate it. Don't miss my interview show with Devin Nunes and Carter Page. It'll launch on Saturday morning. It's really good, especially uh, the part where Nunes goes into these... uh, motivations let's say don't miss that and we'll see you back here on monday good day sir you just heard dan bongino